Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. And welcome to Sawbones, marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. You hear that? Can you tell? My name? Did I hear me talk? I I definitely heard me talk. The sound of you talking. It's being isolated. It obviously sounds completely different to you, I'm sure, because of this new acoustic treatment I had put in. Right. All of these giant maroon panels that Mm -hmm. are lining the room of the... You specifically mentioned the maroon. You're always on my case about maroon. You love this color. I mean, the maroon, right? Like a really dark red. Yeah, I guess maroon's probably accurate. I think it's maroonish. It's like your favorite color, and it's so dark, and you covered... I never thought someday I'll grow up and I'll have a house where I have a scary room in the basement that's enshrouded in maroon rectangles of soundless horror you probably also never thought you'd be married to podcast royalty that's true i never once when i was younger thought i would be married to podcast royalty that'd be prophetic of you You, what's what's the problem with the maroon couldn't they at least be a different color like what like if we're gonna have giant panels couldn't they i don't know like prussian blue well Sid, that's very specific that's a very specific poll yeah of a color I've it never is. heard you mention that particular hue before. I don't know that I've ever talked about Prussian blue before, to so be fair. Why Prussian blue? Well, aside from the fact that the more I think about it, the nicer I think it would look in here. Uh, I just didn't have a better transition into our topic this week. Okay. So there you go. So Prussian blue it is. So Prussian blue. Do you know Do you know who helped come up with the color, with the dye that is Prussian blue? Mm, uh, no. Well, I'm going to tell you about him. His name's Johann Conrad Dippel. I know who created every other color, but I don't know. I didn't know that Do you? one. That's the lot. You just completed. What about Cerulean? You just <laughs> completed the set. <laughs> Burnt Sienna. Uh, n- that was all Crayola. They invented most colors. So tell me about Dipple. It's an unfortunate name, but let's try to build on it. Uh, it is an unfortunate name, Mr. Dipple, Dr. Dipple, Professor Dipple. It's, it's like terrifyingly close to Mr. Whipple, the guy that squeezes the toilet paper. <laughs> I just keep accidentally calling him Mr. Nipple. That's unfortunate as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm Especially for a physician to make that sort of error. <laughs> it's hugely problematic. And then from there, I think about how Charlie calls nipples nibbles, and then I want to call him Mr. Nibble, and yeah, it's a whole thing. And he's adorable. <laughs> that close, not much closer to Mr. Noodle. And then... <laughs> 
So Mr. Nipple, Nipple, Noodle, Dipple was born. Sure that's not it. No, born in 1673 in southwestern Germany near Darmstadt, which is very close. Or what, what Darmstadt is it? He was born in a castle. That's what you need to know. Okay. Fancy and, castle or what? I mean, I think pretty fancy because it was called Castle Frankenstein. Dun, dun, dun. We put in some real sound effects or are you just going to do that? Yeah, I made a crash noise. So he was born in Castle Frankenstein. And because of this, he was occasionally, these are maybe better names. He was occasionally known as Fra- Frankensteinensis. Okay. Is that like a mean nickname that kids in school called him because he lived in Castle Frankenstein? <laughs> I guess it's like a like you get a tag on your name that has to do with like where you live. If that was true when I was growing up, I would have been like Sydney Moss Creek. <laughs> Sydney Moss Creek sounds like a girl reporter with fist of steel and a nose for trouble. <laughs> uh, it, he also was sometimes known as Frankensteina Strade Montanus. That's. The, like, is that better than no, Dipple? That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand okay. this crazy wild naming scheme you just came up with. I didn't come up with that. I'm just telling you. Anyway, he studied a lot of stuff. Johan did. He was, I mean, sort of a. It wasn't the Renaissance, but I guess he was a Renaissance man. Sure. <laughs> uh, he studied theology. If you're a Renaissance man or the Renaissance man uh, during the Renaissance. That's nothing. You're just a man. <laughs> just a man. <laughs> he he studied theology largely. He also studied alchemy. He studied medicine. When he was 16. His dad shipped him off to the University of Giessen uh, to study and uh, where he... Yale? Uh, Harvard? <laughs> uh, it's probably like Giessen or Geisen. I'm probably saying it completely wrong. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he he decided to focus on theology. At this point in history, theology was a really kind of controversial area to go into. And that was part of why he was drawn to it, because Johann liked fighting he liked drama stirring up trouble exactly he he wrote tons of different theological works largely under the name christianus democritus so of course now that you've heard that you know exactly who i'm talking about that sounds like the made-up hero from a a a bible movie i would have watched (laughs) at church camp So he wrote tons of different theological works and he had a lot of unpopular positions challenging a lot of the the major uh, church positions at the time. Um, And throughout his career as a theologian, he got into lots of arguments with lots of important people. This would result in him occasionally being banned from different places. Um, Sometimes like cities like Berlin or Strasbourg or Wittenberg or the place where he went to university. Geeson. 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 It's unfortunate. Got, got to do the correspondence thing, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> uh, also, sometimes from countries like Sweden and Russia. Man, a whole country. Yeah, Russia's whole big, too. I That's pretty know. bad if you're like, you, like, and this is the, you this, could accidentally go into Russia. This is like the late 1600s, early 1700s. I don't think you could effectively be banned from all of Russia back then, right? Like, how would they even find you? Like, they, they didn't have Find My you. Friends. Yeah. You know? They would you wouldn't be able to like find, find you by looking where you checked in on Facebook. Yeah. So uh, he also did a couple uh, stints in jail as a result. He did seven years in prison for heresy Dag. at one point. Uh, and there was also I found one source that said he did a second shorter stint of jail time. Uh, he was arrested for too closely resembling Charles the Twelfth of Sweden. 
I could not find, man, I hope that's true. I don't know if it's true, but what a wild reason to get arrested, right? Yeah, absolutely. You look too much like a king. It could be confusing for people. Please. <laughs> Please. I'm sorry. We're going to have to put you in jail. Be I don't, that may not, I couldn't, I couldn't confirm this like point. I usually like up. to cross-reference things and I, I couldn't confirm this for sure. And, and as I mentioned in this time, he also helped invent Prussian blue, which I mean, we all remember him for. Um, but theology was not working out great for. It's a pill too, right? Is it the same thing? Prussian blue? No, no. He just, he, uh, he accidentally helped invent the dye, like the, the color oh, okay, Prussian okay. blue. With another right. with another dude, he there's another dude who was like making something, and Did he used know? one of Dipple's chemicals, and because he was also kind of an amateur chemist but, in addition to an alchemist. Did and, you know it's also an antidote for uh, heavy metal poisoning? I didn't. It's true. Well, I've learned that. Yeah. 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 Couldn't just let me have one. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I didn't. Fun. I didn't know that's that. That's cool. Just one thing ever. <laughs> Been almost 200 episodes, but just one. Nah. All right. Just You're the boss. Edit out where I said I did. Just yeah. To say, I, I didn't to know that. that. I did one edit earlier when I put in <laughs> scary sound effects. That's it. That's my toad. That's my cap. So theology was not going great uh, for old Dipple because he was, you know, constantly getting in trouble and arrested and banned from places and he was pretty broke uh so he thought you know why not turn to medicine <laughs> that seems reasonable take to all me summers. sure <laughs> so he studied medicine in leiden and uh he i i'm i'm sure he probably worked as a physician i can't find a lot of records of him actually seeing patients it almost seemed like he was more interested in once he learned about the human body and anatomy and chemistry and how he could use those principles and then his already present interest in alchemy to do some sort of unusual experiments. Okay. So he took all this knowledge that he had gained and he retreated to Castle Frankenstein to do his experiments. It sounds very sinister. That's right. So the first thing he did was invent Dipple's oil. Kind of a classic mistake to name the first thing you invent after <laughs> yourself, because it may not work. And then the second thing you just have to call like Dipple's oil too. It's back. <laughs> the sequel. So there were a lot of alchemists at this point in history who were trying to create the elixir of life. It's kind of like everybody was looking for something that would make you live forever and then the philosopher's stone, right? So they could turn lead into gold. Yeah. So there's two things everybody's in search of. Uh, they So he, he makes his own version of sort of an elixir of eternal life. He calls it Dipple's Oil. And basically it was made of a bunch of ground up animal parts. Ooh. Or kind of boiled and distilled down into an oil. So mainly things like bones and hooves and hides. I found kind of a recipe. Now this was from, this recipe was actually recorded, it would have been about 100 years later. So much later, but it was a recipe for Dipple's oil. So it's based on his original recipe. So it was obtained from Hartshorn. Distilled without addition, rectifying the oil either by a slow distillation and a retort, etc., no bigger than is necessary and saving only the first portion that comes over or with water in a common still. Very fine and thin. Must be kept in an opaque vessel mm. or in a drawer. <laughs> One, I'm assuming a well-sealed drawer. Who's want to, yeah, and who's going to want to keep their elixir, their mortality elixir locked away in a drawer? In a drawer. I'm probably going to need access to that daily. <laughs> I just worried about seepage through the drawer. Sure. You don't want to lose that stuff. Uh, or a dark place. So, I mean, just anywhere, I guess. Uh, as it is quickly discolored by light, it is antispasmodic 
anodyne, meaning it'll kind of knock you out, make you sleepy, hypnotic, and diaphoretic, make you sweat, and taken in doses from 10 to 30 drops in water, I anywhere from two to four times a day. Who who would skimp on the dosage of their eternal life, Alexa? <laughs> who would try to cheap out there? Uh, it says 10 to 30. I'll just stick with a 10. I'll just take 10. You can only, no. yeah, I mean, like, you're either immortal or you're not. Now, you also heard what it's made of, so mm-hmm. how eager are you to ingest a That's lot of this? That's fine. Yeah, let's put the difference at 20. <laughs> this, this is also a time where you kind of buy stuff like that knowing it probably doesn't work. Right. <laughs> Nothing works. None of this stuff works. So it probably won't keep me alive forever. It definitely is made of ground up animal parts. So like <laughs> you do have to kind of balance those two factors. Uh, and he and and by the way, the result was initially this kind of thin, yellowish, oily substance, yeah. very pungent. Uh, mm. It was described as pungent in smell and smoky in flavor. <laughs> to mustard. Please don't ruin mustard for me. Sorry. I love Sorry. mustard. Uh, that aged into a thick, dark, smelly substance over time, or I guess with more exposure to light and such. People love this stuff. Now, I will say that Dipple on the front end made sure to lower your expectations and say, I can't promise you that you will live forever with this. This was like his first go at this, right? Like, right. I'm not I'm not guaranteeing eternal life. But what I am telling you is that you'll probably make it to like 135. A good solid age. <laughs> a, good a good solid, solid age. 135 years hey, old. If it doesn't work, come back, get a 40 <laughs> if you don't live forever. Gosh, that's the, that's the ticket, man. Sell elixir of life potions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that would be a very good. You are a real doctor, right? <laughs> Not like a pretend. I'm just saying if I wasn't really interested in helping people and I just wanted to make a lot of money. And you just want to make some cash, of course. Right. So so he sold this stuff, again, of course, to make you live longer. But like anything else at the time, if it's good for one thing, it's probably good for other things or not or all things or or no things things. so people tended to use it for everything um of course fevers any kind of cold symptoms you might have non-specific things like oh your nerves flaring up just take 10 drops of some dipples oil there some dipples are you having a seizure dipples oil will fix that for you do you not want to get bitten by mosquitoes just smother yourself in now some Now that one I buy. Oil. I actually do buy that one. That one makes perfect sense to me. That would probably repel everything. Yeah, yeah. You're rubbing a bunch of animal guts on you. Like, for sure. Uh, I found some specific recipes for some, some medications using Dipple's oil. So first was a liniment of Dipple's oil. Mm-hmm. So basically a liniment, something that you would apply topic, so uh, uh, externally to your skin, topically or externally meaning you apply it outside. Right. So you, what you would want to do if you were making a liniment of Dipple's oil is mix it with some almond oil and also some turpentine. Yeah. Um, preferably, I, I read turpentine soap. So I guess you'd get like a thicker, pastier kind of sure, product, yeah. Yeah. which would be good for a liniment, a good thing to like kind of rub on your skin and then apply bandages over and yeah. let it marinate you. Work, yeah. Exactly. And and if you're going to make this, it's really good to put it on your stomach if you have worms in there. Oh, right. Because they'll smell that and they're like, let's get, get out, out of here. here. This guy's broken. Run for the anus. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bell. Run for the anus. Uh, there was also a tincture of Dipple's oil. So what you would do with this is uh, take some Dipple's oil again, mix it with some ether. And then ingest. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, you could use this as a stimulant. So a little pick me up. 
you know? Yeah. You need a little pep in your step. A little, little animal guts in your human guts. <laughs> or as an antispasmodic, meaning like if you have muscle spasms, if you have stomach spasms, if you anything spasming, you just I don't even know why this cat's on this oil. episode. He he seems like a it seems like a good oil. There was also something just called mixture of dipples oil, which sounds kind of, I mean, that's like what all these things are, right? But a mixture of dipples oil, you just take dipples oil and something called Hoffman's anodyne and you mix them together and you could use that for tetanus. That will definitely not work for that. Hoffman's anodyne, by the way, because I had to go figure, okay, well, what is this weird thing? So Hoffman's anodyne is essentially just some ether and a lot of alcohol. That'll do it. And That'll it was get it done. It was mainly used as a hypnotic, meaning sleepy time, you know, Hoffman sleepy this time make, solution. This make all the tetanus go away for a little while. Yeah. So I mean, I guess if you took a mixture of devil's oil, you may forget you have tetanus. So what what's wrong with this guy, Sydney? I don't understand. <laughs> he sounds like kind of a hero. Well, let let me tell you more about the story of Mr. Dipple, Doctor Dipple. Sorry. Uh, but first, why don't you follow me to the billing department? Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. So what was next for, for Mr. Dipple? Well, the Dipple's oil, just to kind of give you the end of, of that story, it actually, these recipes that I read you, like I mentioned, they were from about a, a hundred years later. It persisted in kind of the medical pharmacopoeia until like the 19th century. Wow. It was, it was really that long that people were still making and using Dipple's oil as a sort of home remedy cure-all. Yeah. Until finally I saw some mentions in some in some like medical textbooks and pharmacopoeias from the 1800s where people were like this is probably not. This, this is probably a, not really this something. Is nothing. Don't just don't. We Here, tried it. I will tell you how to make it. I will definitely still give you a recipe for it. But you probably shouldn't. Yeah, you're kind of waste your time. There's probably better stuff now. So uh, it did find a couple other uses, uh, specifically in agriculture. I, fa- I kept re- seeing it referenced as a sheep dip. I did not know what sheep dip was. No. I'm going to be the first to admit. Absolutely not. It sounded horrifying to me. I don't want to eat a sheep dip. I'll stick with an artichoke dip, please. Yeah, a, ni- a nice spin dip. <laughs> a nice <maybe>. spin dip. <laughs> No, thank you, sheep dip. Uh, but no, that's not what that means. It means that you're going to dip the sheep in something. Ah. Yeah, like a pesticide kind of bath mm-hmm. to like clean them off. I guess this is very controversial too because they've been known to use very uh, terrible, harmful chemicals in sheep dips and various uh, animal dips in the past. Yeah. And Sounds there's like been humans. like government cover ups and all kinds of crazy stuff. I've just learned about all this. I didn't know about any of it. Anyway, sometimes they use dipples oil as a sheep dip. Uh, I, I still found message boards where people were asking like, hey, you got a recipe for that dipples oil so I can dip my horse in it? Okay, nobody's <laughs> dipping horses. That's lunacy. They're dipping horses. They're dipping horses. They're dipping them. Okay. I don't think you really dip them. I think you just like wash. I think actually what I found was that it came in like a spray bottle and you would okay. sp- spritz that them. That makes so much. You understand how that makes infinitely more sense than picking up a horse and dipping it in I, a vat I'm just oil. saying it's called a dip. Fair. I'm just saying that's what it's called. Anyway, I guess people are still trying to figure out how to do this and and use this even today, even though I've read that it was banned. At least I think in the UK it was banned. So don't do that. Just don't. Please. Don't do it. But 
but I guess it's persisted that long. I did find an interesting side note that it was used as sort of a chemical warfare agent in World War II. Good medicine. <laughs> Where Good job, Dipple. It was, it was dumped in wells to make water undrinkable so that the enemy would you'd cut off their water supply. Mm -hmm. uh, but since it didn't kill people, it didn't technically violate the Geneva Convention. So it was sort of chemical warfare. Similar, yeah. Similar. Okay. Yeah. It's like really gross. Yeah. It's really gross. I don't think, but it means like it's still chemical warfare, right? Yeah, There's I mean, that you can't drink water after that. I don't know that, that the G Geneva Convention specifies fatality. Is that accurate? <laughs> said because it's not lethal that's oh. what i read okay it's not a lethal substance okay. although that you know i it's they said it's not a lethal substance but i read multiple old annotations like back from the 1700s and 1800s where doctors would be very clear that if you took a tablespoon of dipples oil at a time it could kill you great good medicine still. so so i would i would uh, contradict that point all right uh, i also found a place currently online where you can still buy dipples oil the price I saw was two thousand five hundred U.S. dollars a ton. Achi machi. If you want a ton of dipples oil, yeah, literally. I don't recommend it. How about just don't? Just probably don't. Um, just to kind of give you a little bit more insight, I think that was the the best thing that Doctor Dipple probably did. But in addition to this, he also had some darker pursuits. Darker than making a medical poison. <laughs> Well, he was trying to make elixir of eternal life. Okay. Uh, he also did search for the philosopher's stone, of course. Sure. It, it, all the all the alchemists Everybody were doing did. it. It was a fad. Everybody was. So, a lot of alchemists were also doing experiments at the time to try to uh, reanimate the dead and transfer the souls of one person into another, specifically like from a cadaver to a cadaver, that kind of thing. Yes. This was not unusual. There were many people engaged in these experiments, and there were many people who were doing a lot of horrible things, like grave robbing and desecrating corpses to do these terrible experiments. Dipple wrote about this stuff. He studied this stuff. He had a theory of how it could be done, specifically how you could transfer the soul of one person into another person. And we're talking bodies here. We're talking mm -hmm. cadavers, so you'd have to go steal right, bodies to do it. body, basically. <laughs> you're going to steal some bodies. But he had this whole description of how he thought it could be done through a funnel. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. A funnel? A funnel. Dipple? I don't have... I have no diagrams here. Man, I wish I did. I imagine it looks like the friggin' uh, 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 that machine from Princess Bride, right? <laughs> just like strapped over his face and just jams the soul right in there. <laughs> So somehow with a funnel, he wanted to transfer a soul from one body to another. All this being said, I have no proof that he actually did this stuff. We don't want to put this guy on blast. He may be no. listening. He, he, <laughs> well, if the elixir worked, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I, I don't think. Thank you to Maximum Fund donor, <laughs> Johan Conrad Dippel. So I, there, I have no proof that he actually did these things. Of course, the rumors flew eventually, as, as we'll get into about this guy. But, I mean, he certainly wrote about it. He was certainly interested in it. 
Um, I just think if he had done it, he probably would have like recorded his experiments and talked about I'd what tell. he found I'd, and stuff. And yeah, he named the oil after himself. I think he'd probably <laughs> let some people know. Probably pretty boastful. He kicked the whole death thing. And this led to, because of all of his writings about this and his interest in this, this led to really wild stories circulating about him, like going out and digging up human bodies and then boiling those for different kinds of oils and then trying to reanimate them. And that one time he blew up a tower in his own castle accidentally and one of his experiments. This is not true. Uh, and it, this guy's not definitely the inspiration for Frankenstein. You said he may be. Like this sounds like pretty I concrete. Even, I see. I told you that our listeners didn't know that yet. No, you told. You said at the beginning. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I thought I hadn't given that away yet. No. Maybe. No. It's still. I'll get to that. I'll I mean, st- you, it's still. It unsure. would have been. All due respect. I know you love the Paul Harvey twist ending. You <laughs> said he lived in a castle, Frankenstein. It would have been a pretty hard cover up, honestly. <laughs> it's not quite as obvious as the Salisbury steak guy. Yeah. So he he did do, like I said, he did do a lot of experiments on animals. I mean, in addition to, you know, boiling them down into a weird oil that you don't want to drink. And it, so in addition to that, he uh, dissected a lot of animals. And from this, he what he said he learned, what he wrote and what he shared with other people is that through his dissections, he was able to learn the secret to exercising demons. Okay. Now, just focus on the abs. I took number one thing. <laughs> I took biology. I have dissected a frog before. I don't ever remember learning that part about how to exercise the demons. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you were absent that day. I don't know. Maybe if I'd taken the next anatomy class and gone to the fetal pig, maybe then I would have learned maybe. that. I don't know. Uh, so, as tales of this work of his exercising demon studies and his you know eternal life serum and his weird soul exchange funnel as tales of this spread some began to theorize that in order to obtain this dark secret knowledge he had sold his soul to the devil is that true i mean no honey oh okay sorry no but he did let that rumor Carrie. Yeah, you gotta let that one lie. Nobody's gonna mess with you then. Well, not only that, but if somebody thinks that you have an elixir of life that you obtain by selling your soul to the devil, you're probably more likely to believe it works. That's true. That's, that's how good it is. <laughs> yeah. So then they thought, well, he must know something. Yeah, something's I, up. He didn't sell his soul to the devil for nothing. <laughs> so it actually helped him sell more dipples oil and Perfect. other crazy potions and such. So eventually because of all these rumors and his neighbors were getting upset and they didn't like this kind of creepy guy living in the neighborhood he had to move to a different castle which is just too bad mm-hmm. castle Win- Wittgenstein not nearly as cool as Frankenstein nope um, and he continued to do even I mean he became more reclusive and doing more strange experiments and writings and stuff and just mm-hmm. living off his dipples oil until his death, which is still shrouded in myth. Now, more than likely, the truth is not really that, um, I don't know, unusual mm-hmm. or mysterious. He most likely died from a stroke in 1734. He was found in his castle. However, there I were... I just want someone to say that about me someday. He was found in his castle. <laughs> I just want that to be part of my obit. I don't think it's asking so much. However, stories spread that when he was found in his castle, he was blue, specifically 
Prussian blue. And that's how he invented it. And and so rumors began to spread that he didn't have a stroke. No, what happened is that the Prussian blue was all part of the secret elixir of life formula plan. Mm. And he was drinking it to keep him alive forever. But instead, uh, okay. it poisoned him and he died and turned blue That's not or poetic. turned blue and died. I understand why people would want that poetic parallelism there. Right. Um, there's no proof of this. I think he, I think he probably just had the stroke. Uh, he, as Justin has already alluded to, he is likely at least in part an inspiration for Frankenstein. Now this is much debated. There is no definitive proof. Uh, Mary Shelley never said also, by the way, this is about that Dipple guy, yeah. <laughs> just in case you wondered. But it is known that uh, Mary Shelley visited the region around the castle, would have been near Castle Frankenstein, certainly would have known that it was there. It was a pretty famous castle. And, and by the time she would have traveled through the area, the legend of this kind of mad scientist, right. Dr. Dipple, would have permeated all of the townsfolk. So the idea that she would have said, what castle is that? Oh, what's the story? And heard about it is not is not outlandish at all. She may well have. Um, in addition, there's this account of her speaking with some local university students who went to the same university that he went to, who would have known the whole history of the castle and known the history of this guy who made this oil. So, uh, so there's a lot of thought that maybe in part, Dr. Dipple, with his strange experiments with possibly reanimating the dead and searching for eternal life. Yeah, and it's called Frankenstein. So on, and that it's Castle Frankenstein may have been part of the inspiration for Frankenstein. Wow. It may just be that she said, you know what, that Frankenstein, that would be a cool name. It's a cool name. I, I should use it in it. my book. It seems unlikely, considering all the other factors. That's where so, I'm at in this one. It's, I have found that uh, like literary historians can get very angry arguing about this at least on internet message boards <laughs> i don't know if they do in real life but yeah. in, in internet message boards it gets pretty heated over they, whether or not this is true they'll uh they'll go fisticuffs on it if they remember their inhalers <laughs> i can't say much i'm a i'm i do medical history so that's you know. a that's for bad boys <laughs> so again i am not saying this is definitive because i also saw a suggestion that hey maybe he was the inspiration for faust Okay, now you're just guessing. Right. So, I mean, all of this all of this could just be theory and myth. Um, of course, if he lived in Frankenstein Castle and he was kind of thought to be a mad scientist, there have to be ghost stories. Mm -hmm. uh, it is said that if you want to see Dr. Dipple, just go to Frankenstein Castle anytime between Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> Must have been when the tourism was really light. <laughs> It's hard to attract people to the creepy castle during that time period. Anytime between Christmas and New Year's, we have great rates on Dipple's oil. Yeah. Um, I think we've all had trouble getting rid of people in the week between Christmas <laughs> and New Year's. So this just happens to be a spectral fella. But, uh, but supposedly his spirit remains unsettled because it was never unable to find the secret to eternal life. Mysterious. Mysterious. Don't Mysterious. don't strange. buy Dipple's oil, please. Please it does don't not. dip your horses in it or drink it or anything. No. Um, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening to our, our podcast. Um, and thank you to uh, uh, the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thanks to the Maximum Fun Network for having us on. There's a lot of great shows on there that you should go check totally out. 
Um, oh, we're going to be doing a show this, as you're listening to this. This well, weekend. This weekend. It's it's like in a in a couple days on Sunday. Uh, in Philadelphia, there's like a very few number of tickets left. They might be gone by the time you hear this. But if you want to go give it a shot, bit.ly forward slash Sawbones Philly. It's going to be really fun. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that uh, uh, we're going to the same venue, which is the Trocadero Theater. We're doing 2 p.m. on Sunday. And uh, the Flophouse, another Max Fun favorite, is going to be doing 8 p.m on sunday as well and also uh we got this another maximum fun family podcast is going to be doing a show in philly a few days after that so uh uh try to get tickets for all those i'm sure you can just do a quick google i don't know the links for those but the link for ours is bit.ly for sawbones philly and i think that's going to do it for sister Thanks yep. for educating me about Dipple. No problem. Anytime. Uh, uh, but until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. How many times has this happened to you? Oh man, if only I knew whether it was better to be too hot or too cold, or who the best James Bond was, that girl would have gone out with me. Now you can with We Got This with Mark and Hal, the podcast from MaximumFun.org every Tuesday. Hey, Lois, it's Joey. The best James Bond was Daniel Craig, and it's better to be too cold than too hot. Thanks, We Got This with Mark and Hal. Only on MaximumFun.org, or wherever you get fine podcasts.